welcome uh, this morning. It's just uh, a blessing to be with you here this morning. Pastor Joe, um, he's out today, but he'll be back next week. So I'm just blessed to be with you here this morning. Uh, beautiful day. Uh, thank God for just the, his creation and just the, the weather that might be pleasant here for us as we look to God's word. I've titled this morning's message, Joy and Tribulation, Joy and Tribulation. And it's, it's a simple message, not a long message I have this morning, but it seems appropriate in the days and times that we're living that how can we have joy in the midst of tribulation? When you look at the dictionary definition of tribulation, it says a cause or state of great, a cause or state of great trouble or suffering. I believe a lot of us might be in that real state of suffering this morning. A lot of us might be in a state of great trouble. A lot of us might be with lots of anxiety this morning as we look at what's happening around the world today. But there's a way to have joy through this tribulation. And that's what I want to talk about today. The question I want to answer or seek to answer this morning is, how can we have joy in tribulation? How can we have joy in tribulation? And there's two key things that we need to remember when we talk about having joy in tribulation. One Tribulation helps us grow stronger as Christians. Tribulation helps us grow stronger as Christians. Two, we can have joy when we put our tribulations in perspective. And what I mean in perspective, when we have the right attitude towards them. And most importantly, when we put our trust in Christ. We can have joy in tribulation when we put our trust in Christ. I like what one of the commentators said. What are four Essential things, four essential things to have victory in trials. And I know we'd all like to have this victory in our trials. And one of the things he said is a joyful attitude, a joyful attitude. Another, an understanding mind. Another, a surrendered will. And lastly, a heart that wants to believe. I want to seek to address those four things as they try to answer the question, how can we have joy in tribulation? And the passage that I want us to look at is in the book of Romans. So if you would turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 5. And we're going to go just a few verses into Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Many of us that have looked at the Word and studied the Word for a period of time know the book of Romans. It's Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome, and it's often referred to as the foundational book on doctrine and belief in Christ for salvation. Paul's real emphasis here in the book of Romans is on Christ's righteousness and his substitutionary death for us, which provides a justification for all who place their faith in him. All of us who have come to know the Lord as personal Lord and Savior know that we are justified by this faith in him. And I start with these verses because I think it's really important. As we talk about tribulation, we need to understand first and foremost our position in Christ. How we've been reconciled to God. How we now have an advocate with the Father. Let's start with chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, when we study the scripture, whenever it says, therefore, you need to ask the question, what is that therefore? 
Okay, what has been taking place? And Paul's been speaking about our faith and how important it is to have this faith. But here he's starting to talk about we are justified by that faith and we have peace with God. We have peace with God because we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. So if you believe that God sent his son to die for our sins and you accept him as Lord and Savior, you are justified by this faith. So justification means that God declares us righteous and we're no longer at odds with God, separated by sin, but now we have made peace with God and we can be trusting and firm in our belief that God loves us and cares for us and he's watching over us. Like and Paul also said in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall separation. In Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17, it says, The work of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. That assurance forever is really important. We have assurance in God through Christ Jesus in our faith. Let's go on to verse 2, chapter 5, verse 2 of Romans. Through whom also we have access by faith, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we not only have peace with God, but we have access to God. The word access here means entrance to the king through the favor of another. I know today in the world, if you know a little bit about politics and different things, that people in the world pay lots of money to have access to the president. We have access to the King of Kings, the creator of all the universe. It's so important that we have this access and we can rejoice in this standing that we have with God because we can be in the presence of God anytime we want, anytime we want. We can call upon God and we can be in the presence of God. And who wouldn't you want to be in the presence more of than the creator of the universe? God, who is what? Omniscient all-knowing, omnipresent, always present, and most importantly, omnipotent, all-powerful. So we can rejoice in this hope that we have a place in God's kingdom and we'll live with him forever. I like Paul when he was speaking to Titus in the book of Titus. He tells us, we look forward to hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make us his very own people totally committed to going, doing good deeds. That's the New Living Translation. And I think it's so powerful to know that the hope that we have to be the glory with God someday. Let's go on to Romans verses 3 and 4. And this is the crux of my message this morning, the tribulation and how we can glory in tribulations. It says in verse 3, and not only that, Again, speaking to the prior two verses, our standing and justification in Christ. But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. This is such a powerful passage, these verses. How can we glory in tribulations? Remember what I said at the beginning? Tribulations, great suffering, distress. But the word tribulations, as it used here in this verse by Paul, really refers to a Greek word, tribulations, which in the Greek means thelipsis or crushings. 
It, it's a word that describes the process of crushing an olive with heavy rocks to extract oil. Our English word tribulation comes from a Latin word tribulium. In Paul's day, a tribulium was a heavy piece of timber with spikes in it used for threshing the grain. The tribulum was drawn over the grain and it separated the wheat from the chaff. As we go through tribulations and depend on God's grace, the trials only purify us and help us get rid of the chaff. This is so important to remember or know that what do tribulations cause us to do? They cause us to totally rely on God and not ourselves. Why are they important for our growth? Because what? They work patience in our lives, waiting on God, but it also what cleanses us and makes us better. So when we talk about patience here, and Paul talks about patience, what is this patience? Well, we learn in the Greek, the word for patience was huponimi. This word does not describe a passive waiting, but a waiting, an active endurance. It isn't so much the quality that helps you sit quietly at the doctor's office, waiting room, as it is the quality that helps you finish a marathon. Those of us that have maybe trained for a race or trained for something new, that it can be painful at times. If you're going to run a marathon, you need to train hard. You need to run a little bit more each day. It has to get a little bit harder because eventually when you get that marathon, it will what? Help you to finish the race. It'll help you to finish the race. So when you have this kind of patience, this kind of endurance, you'll experience the Lord's love in ways you have never experienced. That is so important. How can we experience the love of the Lord in our tribulations, in our trials? Well, it says we hear we can. We can. But we have to have that experience. We have to have that experience also with a great hope. Remember, hope and the expectation that God's going to do a great work. Hope is such an important thing. You know, a man once said, a man can live 40 days without food, three days without water, six minutes without air, but only one second without hope. We need hope. All of us need hope in our lives. When we look at the tribulations, we're also reminded of a verse that many of us look at many times. It's in the book of James. And if you read the book of James, it's now really in its encouragement about our conduct, how we live our lives, how we treat others. In the book of James, in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Again, we're reminded in this passage from James, when you fall into <clears throat> various trials, it's not if, it's when. We're all going to be going through some tribulations, some trials. We're all probably going through it this morning. But you need to know that in that trial, God is at work. He allows trials in our lives to what? Again, help us grow spiritually. Our attitude and values have a great bearing on how we handle tribulation. We can be angry. And we can say, why did you do this to me, God? Why do I have to go through this? We can have an attitude like that. But when we face trials, we have to really evaluate them in the light of what God is doing for us and what he eventually wants to do. Because when you go through trials, you can remember joy in the midst of trials 
is because we are living for what? For Christ and the things that matters most. I know it's hard to think of the long term. I think of short term. All of us want immediate results. We want immediate pleasure. We want immediate satisfaction. But in the Christian life, you have to think of it as a long term, as a marathon, not just the, the things that happen day to day. I like what Pastor Greg Laurie said. As a human being, I tend to think of the here and now. In contrast, God thinks more of the by and by. I think of the temporal. God thinks of the eternal. I think about what will make me happy. God is more interested in what will make me holy. I look at the small picture. God looks at the big picture. God's looking at the big picture, and we need to look at the big picture also. We have so many examples in the Bible. We can look back in the history as we look in the Bible. Look at Joseph, when he sold into slavery by his brothers. In the trials and tribulations, he endured. But what happened? God had a purpose in that. And we read in Genesis 50, chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, you meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. God had a purpose for Joseph's life and he has a purpose for our lives. We may not understand right now the tribulation, the trials we're going through, but God has a purpose and he will bring about his will in time. I like this past Wednesday, if those of you who are here this past Wednesday, Pastor Joe's teaching out of the book of Job. I like what he shared when he's talking about Job in the furnace of affliction. We know as we read in the Bible in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10, it says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Also in Psalm 66, 10, it says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. So we know this furnace of affliction. What does it do? It what? Purifies us. As we go through the furnace, much like gold, it purifies us. And it removes all the impurities. Our key, though, is our attitude. Often we're thinking, how can we get out of this? As Pastor Joe said, but not, what can we get out of this? What can we learn from this? And in Job, we see what Job and how Job reacted. As Pastor Joe shared in verses 11 and 12 of Job chapter 23. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What did Job turn to? He turned to God's promises, his word. It's so important as we're going through these trials and tribulations, that we turn to God's word. And we hold fast, hold fast to the promises of God. I like also what Pastor Joe, Pastor Joe shared. We cannot let feelings override the facts of our faith. We can't let the feelings, as much as it is hard and how badly we feel, the lessons we learn through our experience form the basis of our growth. Sometimes God has us learn through experience. And God's providence, his divine purpose for us, requires us to trust him, even when we don't completely understand. This is really where our faith comes in. And where do we put our faith in? Jesus reminds us where we need to put our faith in. Remember in the book of John, the book of John, John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you shall have what? 
tribulation, but what? Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We need to trust in those words. In Psalms and many Psalms, I could pick many, but we're encouraged. What does it say in Psalms 55, verse 22? Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you, and he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. So we can trust in God that as we put our faith in him, what? He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. I like what Joe, Pastor Joe finished with. He said, the future is your friend when Jesus is your friend. The future is your friend when Jesus is your friend. Hopefully, after going through trials and tribulations, we can say like the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said once. He said, I've looked back to times of trial with a kind of longing, not to have them return, but to feel the strength of God as I have felt it then, to feel the power of faith as I have felt it then, to hang upon God's powerful arm as I hung upon it then, and to see God at work as I saw him then. Hopefully each of us can look back at the trials and tribulations that we're going through this morning and going through our lives, and we can say those same words as Charles Spurgeon said. I look forward to that time when God did such a great work. So the formula, the formula, if you want to call it a formula for living and having joy in tribulations, it's understanding what? What tribulation produces. It produces patience. And this patience gives us experience, which then gives us hope according to his word. I started this morning by saying joy in tribulation and remembering four things. Four things to have joy in tribulation. I said a joyful attitude. So ask the question of yourselves this morning as I ask the question of myself. How are we responding to the trials and tribulations in our lives today? Are we having a joyful attitude or are we having a negative attitude? or saying, oh, we're kicking the dirt, kicking the dust. I hate this. Why do I have to go through this? Do we have an understanding mind? Do we realize the role of trials and tribulations in our life and how they can what? Make us better and strengthen us in our relationship with the Lord. Do we have a surrendered will? Remember, as it says, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will, Lord. And do we have a heart that wants to believe? Do we want to trust in God's promises? Are we trusting in God's promises this morning? Are we putting the Lord first? I recently read a little thought in a booklet. There's an online booklet at Crossroads. Uh, many of you might read it. And I was really struck by one of the articles that said, the blessings of suffering. And I thought, what in the world? What could be the blessings of suffering? What blessings can come from suffering? But I think these four or five points that the author made are really important. Number one, it helps us to grow deeper in our relationships with Jesus. We can trust in him and not ourselves. I have to admit to you, I'm a very pragmatic person. Uh, those of you who know me, I look at things very with an analytical mind. Whenever I'm in a situation, I look at it and say, okay, how can I get out of this? Or how can I figure something out? Sometimes we just have to let God. God is the one that's going to figure this out. We have to put our trust in him and not ourselves. Secondly, this blessing of suffering, it helps us reevaluate what's important. I know it may seem like impossible now, the trial, tribulation, 
that we might be going through. But what is really important, is it important that we have that certain thing? Because for some of us, it might mean losing some material things. But we need to know that when we go through trials and tribulations, we need to reevaluate what's most important. Family, relationships, our love for each other, God's provision. He's providing for us. Okay? It may not be easy, but we need to really reevaluate what's important. Another blessing, Jesus, in these trials and tribulations, he reminds us of who he is and what he's done. And more importantly, what he can do for us when we put our trust in him. When we put our trust in him, not on ourselves, not on someone else, not another some kind of system or plan or anything, but slowly trusting in Jesus. And Jesus can make our suffering and make it beautiful. I know it doesn't seem beautiful now. And Jesus, as he went to the cross, what did he ask? If there's any other way, let this cup pass for me. But what? It was necessary. What? Because it eventually saved all of us. It saved mankind. So God went through it gladly. Jesus went through it gladly. And lastly, the blessings of suffering, it can produce endurance. This life can be a long life. It could be a hard life. We need the endurance that only God can give. But this endurance, endurance makes us stronger, right? When you go through the fiery furnace of affliction, when you go through the trials and the tribulations, be strong. Know that God is making you stronger. He's making you better. I know the dictionary definition of joy is simple. It says a great feeling of pleasure or happiness. Great pleasure or happiness. And I know some of us might look just at the temporal, might look at the, the physical and say, well, I'm not very jo- joyful right now. But remember, happiness depends on happiness, but joy depends on Jesus. And when you look at the biblical definition of joy, it really means on the spiritual level, it refers to the extreme happiness which we, the believer, contemplates our salvation and the bliss of afterlife, knowing that we're going to be with God in eternity. We have to look at those as our joy and our <coughs> our <coughs> source of joy. I like in the book of Nehemiah, remember the story of Nehemiah? Rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah constantly sought the Lord for direction and guidance. And even he gave leadership to the people. So let us take time. Let us thank the Lord what he has done. Let us look to the Lord. Now that the adversary, adversaries come to us, now that we have all these trials, but what did he say? The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So what I want to leave you with this morning is the words of the Lord. And through the God's word and looking at the book of Romans, there's just so many great things in the book of Romans. But it refers again to the suffering or tribulation that we may be going through. But knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And I know this week, for many of us, I know as we look to this week and the elections and the different things that are happening in the world today and not knowing and uncertain, we can be sure, we can be sure of one thing, that what God loves us, cares for us, no matter the trials and tribulations that we're going through. 
And I'd like to finish with these verses from Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you again this morning to thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for all you do for us, Lord. I pray this morning as we go through the midst of tribulation and trials, Lord, that again, you be with us, Lord. You give us the joy, the peace that only you can give, Lord. I lift up my brothers and sisters this morning as, as we are here as a body of believers together, Lord. We claim your promises, Lord, that only you can give us the peace, Lord. And Lord, we pray that we might just have this peace in you, Lord, and that whatever we may be going through, Lord, that we give it to you, Lord, that we trust you, that you're working it for the betterment of us, Lord, and that you're going to do a great work and that we can trust in you, Lord, because we know we're going to be with you eventually in eternity. Lord, I just lift up those that may be watching online, Lord. Maybe there's someone here that really hasn't experienced the joy and peace and has not been justified by faith in you, Lord. We pray for those that may have not yet come to know you as Lord and Savior, Lord. Lord, that they might come to know you, Lord, and that they might just put their trust in you. And if you haven't made that decision for Christ, please make that decision for Christ. Only he can guide you and give you that peace that passes all understanding. Put your trust in Jesus this morning, and he will do a great work in you. It's as simple as, I want to accept you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for all my sins. You can say a simple prayer of faith as that and come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Lord, we just thank you for the time together, and I just pray for this week, Lord. As there may be much trial, there must be tribulation in the world, Lord, that we might just be confident in the fact that you love us and you care for us, Lord. And that you're in control of all things, Lord. You're in control. We trust you, Lord. You will ultimately hold the final outcome. We thank you and praise you, Lord. We give you all the glory and honor. And we just thank you so much, Lord. We lift these all these people to you, Lord. Be with us as we go each our way, Lord. We thank you and praise you. Give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Pastor Tony is going to come and lead us in communion. God bless you guys. Love you guys. How's everybody doing? Praise the Lord. Uh, if you don't have the elements right now, or if you're at home and you don't have the elements, you could go over it with us later. But if you don't have the elements and you're here, if you could please raise your hand and one of the ushers will assist you and getting you the elements. So good morning. Uh, today, 
as I was doing my devotional reading and where I'm at in uh, Matthew chapter 8, you know, Ray hit a great message for the church, for believers. And there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus, he said. But Jesus taught the what is called the Sermon on the Mound. And then in chapter 8, he comes down from, from the mountain. And it says, And when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. Then Jesus put out his, out his hand and he touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And he immediately, the leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one. Go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So we see in the Bible that leprosy is a type of sin. To the believer, we had a great message this morning of hope of nothing ever separating us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, in a personal relationship with Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But we see in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 2, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Man, that's pretty heavy. That's pretty heavy. So in Christ, I have this bond like leprosy. The leper was separated from fellowship and separated from a experiencing a a work of being in the temple and partaking. And the same thing with us. We could have an experience, a religious experience. But if we are not in Christ Jesus, if he hasn't cleansed us from that which will separate us eternally from God, if we're not healed from the sin problem, we will face eternity outside in outer darkness, in isolation like the leper. So we could have an experience with Jesus. All these great multitudes follow Jesus. But you see here at the very end, where Jesus was talking to this leper. As he talked to this leper, he said, go your way, show yourself, speak to no one. First, he says, speak to no one about it. Go show yourself to the priest and give an offering as a testimony to them. And you see, Jesus was saying, be obedient. So, he could we could have an experience with Jesus, but apart from obedience, what is that? You see, the Bible says God exper- requires obedience. And taking communion in First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, it says, Therefore, whoever eats and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, of the Lord. 
So I want to get right with God. And I'm like that leper. Lord, cleanse me of my sin. And so it's good to take a reflection because we're not promised tomorrow. But we also want to be like this leper and be obedient to God because the word of God tells us before taking communion, we are to examine ourselves. So we're going to. As the leper had to respond to Jesus, we're going to respond to the text. We're going to take a time of reflection right now as the worship team plays. If we have a a problem with sin, we need to get right with the Lord right now. Because we're not promised tomorrow. But our taking that reflection and examination is an act of obedience. Let the Holy Spirit work on your heart. You know, maybe there's some things that you need uh, a work with in your life. Maybe you're not having victory in a certain area where you need to pray, Lord, forgive me and cleanse me and help me. And you know what? He will provide that which you need to live victoriously. So as a worship team plays, hold on to your cup and the bread and examine. Be obedient to the Lord. Have him search your heart like David in Psalms 139. Search me, Lord. And you know what? Whatever the Lord brings up, confess, forsake, ask for the help of the Holy Spirit, and then we will have sweet communion with the Lord and each other. So as a worship team plays, hold your cup, have that time of reflection, and we'll partake together.